This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with Harrison Zuckerberg, and we are your fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win in fantasy, but also find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing And ultimately, we want to be encouraging, and we are so glad to be with you. It's season two here at the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast presented by MediShare. It's also episode two of this 2022 season. And actually, no, this is season three, second season with Harrison. So glad to have him back, Uh, but but thrilled to be with you. And hopefully you caught episode one uh, of the new season, gave up kind of preview of the year, talked a, a lot about what Fantasy Football Fellowship is. Uh, but but real quickly, for, for those just joining us, Fantasy Football Fellowship is something that we hope you will become members of. Throughout the season, we'll provide you content that is fantasy-related, but also that relates to the Bible, relates to our own lives. And we'll give you the, the, the podcast is free, but we've got extra membership benefits Uh, for you and your fantasy league. And so we've designed content specifically for your league to unpack together in league meetings throughout the season. And so we want you to experience fellowship. We hope that you'll grow in your faith. And and so each of these fantasy concepts uh, relate to the Bible, relate to our own lives, and provide conversation starters and questions and challenges uh, that you can do essentially in a small group, which is what a fantasy league is. And so if you want to do it with your church and let your church know about it, it's designed for churches as well. Uh, But it's our our hope and and prayer that that fantasy owners and and fantasy GMs around the the world uh, experience God in a real way, but but grow in their faith, have fun playing fantasy football, and and do it in a a community way. So uh, we're going to have some fun together here on this podcast each week. And so uh, glad to be with you once again. Today on this show, uh, we'll do our, our, our faith topic about smoke screens. So stick around for that. We're also going to take a look at certain fantasy rankings and, and ADPs, where guys are going in drafts at this point, and we'll decide if you know certain players are going to rise or fall throughout the, the next couple of weeks and, and who to keep an eye out for. And then we'll also look at some different scenarios and decide, okay, would you rather draft this guy or pass on him and draft someone from that same position later on in the draft? 
So uh, we'll do some, you know, kind of uh, strategic strategic drafting suggestions today on the show as we uh, look at, you know, real scenarios and, and things that, that we're all contemplating once the, the drafts begin. And maybe you're already doing some mock drafts to sort of get an idea of, okay, I, wouldn't, I like this guy, ooh, but what I want to take him that early when I could wait and get this tight end three rounds later, and maybe you actually like that tight end even a little bit better, especially when you consider the value. So uh, we'll do that in just a little bit as well. I do want to thank our presenting sponsor. Uh, it's MediShare. And so if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it. And my family, we've been members for over six years. And so highly recommend looking into what MediShare offers. It's, it's just a, a unique way to pay for healthcare. And so it's an alternative to health insurance. And so MediShare offers programs for every budget, individuals, self-employed, ministry leaders, business owners, and the best part, their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. So it's absolutely worth exploring. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Well, let's say hello to Harrison. And when we left you in our last episode, we teased that we were going to discuss teams on the rise. And so Harrison, let's begin there. How are you doing? And what team, an NFL team that has fantasy players that we're keeping an eye out for, are on the rise? I'm doing great, Bryce. My team that I think is going to be on the rise, I don't really know if I believe it myself, but I am drinking the Dan Campbell, bite your kneecap <laughs> off, gritty Kool-Aid for the Detroit Lions. I think, at least fantasy-wise, they're going to be a team that you want to invest in this year. Last year, they played a lot of really close games, and they lost a lot of them, but now they have the fourth easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Jared Goff showed that he can get it done, and he can support some solid fantasy seasons just like he did back in L.A. He was number two last year in the NFL in clean pocket completion percentage and was top 13 in the league in adjusted QBR. So when he has the opportunity, he's efficient enough to get it done. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown broke out last year already. DeAndre Swift is going to be a top 10 pick most likely this year. TJ Hawkinson's great. And now we add Jamison Williams to the mix as well, an electrifying rookie who I think is going to explode in Detroit this season. Then not to mention guys they signed like DJ Chark and Jamal Williams, who probably won't get drafted in your leagues, but you can pick them up off waivers and will have fantasy relevant weeks. I'm with you. I'm intrigued by the Lions. I like Dan Campbell as well. And here, here's the reality. People were downplaying the Bengals last year. And the Bengals, of course, made a huge run fantasy-wise throughout the season and then all the way to the Super Bowl. And even people weren't necessarily as high on the, the Rams last year or, or even the Chargers, and both of those teams were, were fantastic fantasy-wise. Uh, I was in on the Rams last year. Uh, I know it sounds easy at this point, but um, I probably wasn't as high on the on the Bengals last year. Um, but there are teams that come out of nowhere. And so who are those teams for, for us? We'd love to, to hear from you as a listener as well. Who's that one team you're keeping an eye on? Are you, are you buying the, the New York Giants making a jump? Or what about the Jets? Or, or what about the, the Raiders, who is a team uh, for me that I, I, I am high on? But, but let me start here as the, the team on the rise that I'm, I'm believing 
in the most, and, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is a team that I did not like last year. I, I did not draft I don't, maybe one. I may, I may have had Marvin Jones last year. But for the most part, I avoided the Jags because I didn't like Urban Meyer, and I didn't, want, I didn't want anything to do with them. As much as I liked Clemson and, and, and Trevor Lawrence, I, no thanks. Um, and this year, with Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winner, I'm in. We know Trevor Lawrence has talent. I'm not sure that he's going to be. I, I, I thought of it the other day. I think he compares to Matt Ryan. I think that's his career trajectory that, that he could be in that level where eh, maybe not the, you know, the elite of the elite, but, but a solid contributor. And so fantasy-wise, if you can get him as a QB2, I like that. I like having him on my team and, and with the, 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 the great potential. He's got tons of weapons around him. And, and I think Travis Etienne coming back healthy is going to be crucial. And let's not write off James Robinson. He'll get off to a slow start, but I think midway through the season, now that Urban Meyer is gone, I think he'll be back to being a great contributor, and that one-two punch with him and ETN is going to be really good. But the one guy on the Jags that I'm especially excited about is Evan Ingram. He's somebody that we have all written off because he disappeared in New York. He had Daniel Jones throwing to him. But I remember in 2017, well, I looked it up, he finished fifth. He was the fifth best tight end, so he's got it in him. He had six touchdowns that year, and, and I think there's some talent with Evan Ingram, and I like his chances of being sort of a sleeper uh, with Jacksonville. So uh, I, I'm, all, I'm all in. I also like Christian Kirk. I think him getting an opportunity. He got overpaid, no question about it. But as the, the wide receiver one in Jacksonville, I like, I like the potential. So there you go. You got the Lions. I got the Jags. Give me one other team that you think is on the rise. So one other team, we touched a little bit on it last episode, but the Denver Broncos, and it's not just Russell Wilson that's going to cause this team to break out. Nathaniel Hackett's coming in as the new head coach after being the offensive coordinator in Green Bay, and this team is loaded with talent on offense. You have two great running backs in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, who they brought back. The receiving core is so deep, and you have some talented tight ends as well on the roster. I mean, you have real breakout potential here with Javante, with guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, who could make that leap into the top 10 wide receiver group this year with improved quarterback play. But then also, you just want to get pieces on this team because Tim Patrick had some relevant weeks last year. He'll probably be good again this year. KJ Hamler could catch some deep balls. Albert O, their starting tight end, could get some red zone looks. And even Melvin Gordon will probably be a solid contributor on the ground for this team. So my goal for this season is to draft either Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton in any one of my drafts. Once I get my top two receivers, usually I'm looking for one of them as my third guy. I don't care which one it is, but I just want to have pieces in the Denver receiving core just in case one of them breaks out and becomes that top 10, even maybe top five player that we could see with Russell Wilson. I like your optimism that you can get them as a wide receiver three. They might cost you a wide receiver two. I, in some mock drafts that I've been seeing, I've been seeing Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy going in like the fourth and fifth round. So unless wow. you start out with like three straight running backs, you could probably get them as their three, depending on where you are in the draft order. Man, that's 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 big. Because I think the challenge for the fantasy community is picking which one. Who, who's going to be Russell right. Wilson's guy? And, you know, last year with Matthew Stafford going to L.A., I, I don't think everybody realized just what the connection would be like with him and Cooper Cup. So with Russell Wilson, will it be 
yeah, the I mean, both guys are similar age. Sutton's a little bit older than than Judy. Um, I guess somewhat different styles, but yeah, I'm not sure who resonates because I'm not sure one guy really sticks out. I guess Tyler Lockett that, that Russell Wilson had in Seattle, and, and I'm not sure if either of those guys compared to him necessarily. But um, yeah, if you lay if you pick the right guy between Judy and Sutton, it could be a big season for, for one of them. That's why I think my strategy is to go either or whoever falls to me, because if you throw all your eggs in one basket and miss out, you'll be kicking yourself for the whole season. At the end of the day, we're just fantasy coaches. We may think we know who's going to break out, but we really don't know. We're not in the NFL locker rooms. We don't know who they're scheming to get the majority of the targets. So I think to be safe, you know, take shots on them in multiple leagues and just see which one ends up panning out. Yeah. And again, which one will have the chemistry because that, and, and, and if they both, and what if they're both, uh, maybe one doesn't necessarily pass the other. They're both kind of 1A, 1B throughout the season, which could also be the case. So, uh, But I'm with you. There's definitely some, some intrigue and, and value there. All right, the other team that I want to talk about that's on the rise, and this was an interesting team for me last year because I was not on the, the bandwagon uh, very much, and, and this was the Philadelphia Eagles. And the fact that they snuck into the playoffs with Nick Sirianni, with Jalen Hurts, I remember last year there was a time where I was calling for Gardner Minshew uh, to get in there as the starter, which seems somewhat silly at this point. But now I'm jumping on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon. So last year he finished QB nine, and I think he's got the potential to be top six. So so a little bit you know a little bit better than last year. And last year was great, especially running the ball. He's going to have to throw more. And guess what? He's got the weapons. He's got A.J. Brown. I talked about him on the last episode. Devontae Smith. He was good last year. He wasn't great, but he was good. And I think in his second year, he takes a step forward, and he, he'll get less coverage because A.J. Brown takes three guys to, to take him down anyway, but you got to keep a couple guys uh, you know, spying him, watching him, covering him. So that opens up things for, for Smith. And then I love the value of Miles Sanders. Current ADP is RB30. So that's in the sixth round. I'm willing to, to, to roll the dice on him. Here's the key for me. The Eagles didn't go get anybody else. So Sanders is still their guy. Boston Scott's a nice compliment. I liked Kenneth Gainwell a lot last year. He was someone that I did draft, but he's not an every down back. Sanders is still their, their number one guy. Um, so to me, there's a number of weapons. Um, you know, last week, Sanders, he, fi- he finished as RB44. Uh, but he was banged up, so he only played 12 weeks. So if he's healthy, I, I think he could uh, he could be a nice at least I'd say RB three this year. Um, if you if you can get him that way, that, I think there's some some good opportunity and value for him. Yeah, and with Sanders especially, the reason he finished that low is because he just didn't score touchdowns. I think yeah. he only scored one touchdown maybe last year, and Hurts so, took them all. Right, it, it's. You worry about it a little bit with a rushing QB. This does happen where running backs don't get the same opportunities of the goal line they once did. But it it's not hard to believe that Sanders could get five or six, seven touchdowns this year and be a really fantasy relevant running back with all the other volume that he's going to get. Absolutely. So there you go. Those are our four teams. Lions, Jags, Broncos, and Eagles. And I guess the Eagles did make the playoffs last year, but I still think they're on the rise. I think what we saw last year, they're only going to be better across the board. Uh, Dallas Goddard, a tight end. I think he'll, he needs to. I, he's been one of those guys. I, I, I wait for him to, to really take the big step. Zach Ertz, of course, now gone for the full season. This gives Goddard an even better opportunity. And, and, and again, with A.J. Brown taking more of the attention, 
I think it opens up for Goddard too. And all of this is great for Jalen Hurts. So he lo- he, stu- he comes to the line. He goes, man, I got three unbelievable weapons, a couple other young guys, Rager and a couple of the other wide receivers they've drafted in, in recent years. Um, and then he looks behind him and he goes, all right, I got Sanders. Sanders takes a breather. Gainwell comes in. Boston Scott comes. They're loaded. So there you go. My uh, my family lives in Philly, so they'll be they'll be excited <laughs> this year. Uh, all right, so those are our teams on the rise. We'll do uh, some fun with ADP and and rankings in a minute, uh, and and we'll we'll get Harrison's thoughts on that. Uh, but before we do that, I want to share this week's faith topic, where we take a fantasy concept related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and I want to talk about the concept of smoke screens. And this is what we see. During the NFL draft, during minicamp, training camp, and all of this affects our fantasy drafts. A lot of reports come out this time of year about certain players and you know how good they looked during minicamps and, and the OTAs and all that stuff, the rookie camps. And oftentimes the reporters are fed information. You know, sometimes they're, they're witnessing practices, but a lot of times they're given information from coaches or agents that, that are trying to either hype up certain players or even sometimes coaches are challenging certain players where they don't want to hype up a rookie because they want to keep them humble or they're challenging a veteran because they want them to, to bounce back a little bit better this year, whatever their motivation is. But this information is going out there and they're smoke screens because we don't know what to believe and we're factoring in all the information and we're trying to make our decisions as fantasy GMs to figure out who to draft and, and how to value certain players and wondering, okay, who's actually going to be the key contributor? Who's going to be the starter? Because oftentimes we'll hear this time of year like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to you know, oh, catch a lot of passes this year. Oh, he's going to be the starter. And then come week one, we're like, where's this guy? And someone comes out of nowhere. And that's because we were we were fed misleading information, and we bought certain narratives that actually weren't true. But somebody had a motivation to share that narrative. And then even as we listen to fantasy experts, quote unquote, uh, and we're trying to get information from fantasy analysts, they sometimes have certain agendas or certain guys that they're, you know, just buying the 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 narrative. Uh, and then we all of a sudden have to decipher, you know truth from lies and and that sort of thing. So here's what a smoke screen is actually defined as a ruse designed to disguise someone's real intentions or activities. And so we can see it play out in the NFL, but unfortunately this also is a tactic that we use in our own lives because we position ourselves to come across in a way that we think will be beneficial to us or we tell half-truths to get what we want. And we mislead people and send you know, misdirections so that we can conceal our real intentions and activities. And so we want people to believe certain things and, and buy a storyline or buy a narrative about us that ultimately really isn't true. And so what, what, when we do this, we make it hard for people to decipher fact from fiction in our lives. It's like, wait, who, wait, who is he? What's he all about? What's going on? But if we are followers of Jesus, we must live with integrity and speak the truth in love. And, and so when we follow Jesus, 
we begin to, to no longer want to wear the masks in life or, or, or puff ourselves up or, and we won't feel the need to trick people into thinking we're something when we're not, or we're going to do something when we won't follow through or pretend like everything's good when it's really not. And, you know, we, we know coaches do this all the time. Oh yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Daniel Jones looks great. Well, the season begins and what happens? So in our own lives, you know, are we being honest with our friends? And I just had a conversation with one of my buddies yesterday, a really honest conversation about what was really happening in our lives. And, and so we had this, you know, authenticity and transparency. And not that you can necessarily be that with everyone, but, but to have those friends that we can have those honest conversations with, it's so valuable. But even, even, even then, you maybe can't go into all the details with everybody, but we still want to live truthful lives and and let people see who we who we really are instead of the the masks the smoke screens the misleading information the misdirections and and so thankfully uh you know we don't have to live our lives based on lies because when we know Jesus we know the truth he's given us grace and freedom we don't have to pretend like we have it all together and and tell people what we think they want to hear Jesus provides us the strength we need to reveal the truth about him and ourselves. And, and so Paul, Paul in the, in a letter that he wrote to, uh, this is found in first Thessalonians. Uh, and I think it can be encouraging for us to, to drop the smoke screens and, and pursue this type of perspective that, that Paul is, is writing. Uh, he says for our appeal does not come from delusion or impure motives, nor is it motivated by deceit. Our message is complete accurate and based on the truth. It does not change. This is the message of Jesus, the hope of the gospel. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel that tells the good news of salvation through faith in Christ, so we speak not as if we were trying to please people to gain power and popularity, but to please God who examines our hearts, expecting our best. For as you well know, we never came with words of flattery nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. And, and so this is the amplified version to help us understand it a, a little bit better. But this is how we want, we want it to be. We want to live, you know, live lives according to, to, to what Jesus has done in our, our hearts and, and the, the transforming work that he's doing in us and, and be truthful about who we once were, who we are now, the areas that, that he is changing us, and, and to be able to speak the truth of the gospel to people as well. People are looking for the answer, and they're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. And when we know Jesus, we, we can tell them uh, about it. And we don't you know, do it with, with impure motives. And um, you know, we're not out there trying to, to please, please people. Um, we're not out there trying to gain you know, power and popularity for, for selfish desires, uh, but to please God to please God who, who knows our heart um, and to do it from a place of our love for him. Um, and so let's live authentic lives. Let's be transparent who we really are. And if, if, if God is in us, let, let's allow him to shine through us and, and, and for people to see uh, who he is through us. Uh, but that happens when we're, when we're honest and we stand on the, the truth of the gospel um, and, and lead with that. So uh, we'll be, you know, and, and be truthful in all areas of our life. So we'll drop the smoke screens, drop the misdirections of, 
trying to be this way or, or that way, depending on who we're with and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, but to be genuine, consistent, and uh, gospel-centered fantasy GMs. How about that? So uh, there you go. That's your encouragement for the week. Uh, and so you can find that blog on our website, fantasyfootballfellowship.com, and you can read that uh, again, and, and you can use it to, to even discuss with uh, members in your league as well. And we've got more content like that uh, available to you throughout the fantasy season when you become a member on fantasyfootballfellowship.com. All right, Harrison, well, let's get back to some fantasy talk, and and we're we're going to do a segment called draft or pass and this is where we look at different scenarios and decide do we draft this person earlier or do we pass on him in order to take someone from the same position a little bit later and so we'll start with tight ends and we're basing this on kind of current ADP for 12 team league so people are doing mock drafts and it reveals where guys are going so far in in mock drafts or, or drafts that people are already doing this time of year. I know most people draft in August, but uh, but here we go. So, Harrison, do you draft Mark Andrews at 21 overall, or do you pass on him, wait, take Darren Waller at 43 overall? Here I am taking Mark Andrews at 21 overall, because I think him and Darren Waller have completely opposite situations when it comes to target share. Darren Waller is getting a guy in Devontae Adams who is going to be taking a lot of targets away from him. And, you know, I don't really know how reliable he's going to be as a tight end because that's what he's fed on on the past. It wasn't touchdowns. It was that he's going to get a lot of yards and get a lot of receptions. But Mark Andrews had a great year last year, and then they trade away Hollywood Brown So he is the only guy left that Lamar trusts. I think he's going to have a monster season this year and pretty much be the solidified number one option in the passing game for the Baltimore Ravens offense. I think both these offenses, Las Vegas and Baltimore, are still going to be really good, but I'd rather have Andrews just take him a little bit earlier, and I think he's going to be much more involved than Waller will be. To me, Waller falling to, what, the fourth round is an absolute steal. I I love that value. The thing with Waller is he's been very consistent for the last four years and uh, other than maybe injuries, but, uh, but for the most part, he's, he's Derek Carr's favorite target. I mean, last year, Hunter Renfro maybe, maybe makes a, a case for that. And now Devontae Adams, his good buddy from college. So he's got three guys that he likes. Uh, so I, I, like I said last week, I, I'm, I'm really excited about Derek Carr. Um, but I still, I think at the tight end position, all the rest, of, like to me, after Darren Waller. So if you start looking at the kind of the next tier of tight ends, there's way more question marks. Can they pop? Will they take the next step? What's their quarterback going to do? I know what Derek Carr is, and I think he's only going to be better with Devontae Adams. And I think Adams, back to my A.J. Brown point too, I think A.J. Brown's going to have a great year, but I think everyone around him will, will also have a great year because he takes some of the coverage and some of the attention. And same with Adams. Adams is going to get a lot of attention from defenses which down the middle, you send Waller, let's go. Carr's going to find him. He knows where he is. He knows how to, how to look for Waller. They got the connection. So I like the value there. All right, next one. Do you draft Cam Akers at 32, coming off an injury where he made it back last year, or J.K. Dobbins, another guy coming off of, of an injury, uh, and you can get him at 46 overall. So a little bit later, where do you come out on this one? 
So I come out with Dobbins again on this one, leaning towards Baltimore. He's a little bit later than Akers, but honestly, I think it's safer because he has had a longer time to recover from his injury than Cam Akers has. Cam Akers, they really rushed him back last year for the playoffs, and he did not look good in the playoffs. He really did not impress at all. And I think there's a lot of other weapons within this LA offense that if Cam Akers isn't playing extremely well or he's not efficient, you know, they can give it to Daryl Henderson. They can give it to Allen Robinson or, or Cooper Cup. You know, Baltimore really wants to run the football this year. They showed that when they traded away Brown, like I said before. And I think Dobbins is going to be the center of that because they believe in his talent. And even though he might not, you know, catch as many passes as Cam Akers, I think he'll have a more solidified role in the offense and will be more consistent than Akers will. I was so impressed that Akers came back from such a major, you know, Achilles injury. Now, he wasn't that productive, but we saw that the Rams trusted him. And last year, Daryl Henderson had a chance to, to be the guy, and he didn't take advantage of it. Had a couple good games. You know, he had some decent games here and there, but he just wasn't trustworthy enough. Akers is their guy, and I, I think the Rams, my guess is they'll get a little, they'll, they'll probably be a little slow out of the gate because they're feeling good about that Super Bowl. But they'll, they'll start picking it up. And, and at that time, it may have to be a little patient with Akers. But I think he's going to be a key part of the offense. McVay likes one running back. He, he likes to, to lean on a running back. Whereas in Baltimore, they rotate guys. Let's not forget Gus. Uh, Gus, I'm thinking Gus Bradley, the coach. Edwards, Gus, Gus Edwards. Edwards. Gus the bus. Um, and so, you know, he's come back off an injury as well. But they still like him. He's been a productive running back in Baltimore. And then of course, Lamar Jackson takes you know so many runs himself and, and that's a key part of the offense. So I, I, between these two, I just think the, the volume for acres is a little bit more. Now you're paying a little bit bigger of a price for him. Uh, but I've already seen acres come back from the injury, although, you know, only average about three yards of carry, but I think now that he's, he's had a few months to get better. I at least have seen, seen him. Whereas Dobbins, Goodbye, Dobbins. We didn't see all year. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little hesitant with, with him at this point. Next one, number three, uh, Javante Williams. Now we talked about Denver a little bit, but you can get him at 18, which is early. He's one of the top ranked running backs this season or wait a little bit and get a running back. We're used to seeing go in the first round. Ezekiel Elliott. He's fallen to 31 this year. So, I like Javante Williams. Who do you like? I like Ezekiel Elliott because I think there's a lot of Zeke to bounce, a lot of opportunity for Zeke to bounce back this year. Now, I know everyone is saying he's washed and he's not the runner he used to be. And Tony Pollard looked great last year, but there's a lot of opportunity in this offense. You talk about Amari Cooper leaving. There's a lot of targets up for grabs. I still think they're going to be a good offense, and Zeke's going to play a major part in this offense. And with Javante Williams, I mean, it's not like he has no competition in the backfield. Melvin Gordon is there and Melvin Gordon was great last year as well. So I think that's going to eat into his workload a little bit. I could totally see Zeke having a 50 reception, 10 touchdown season, and you're getting him as your RB two in the third round, maybe the fourth round. If your league really hates Cowboys players. <laughs> you know, I don't mind the value with, with Zeke, but I, I have to be honest, as I talked about, uh, he burned me a couple <laughs> years ago, and I can't go back to that well. 
we'll, we'll do another episode about guys that burned us last year. He didn't burn me last year because I didn't draft him. But I love Tony Pollard. I am all in on Tony Pollard. I love his talent, and, and I love that the Cowboys, well, maybe it's a smokescreen, but they want to involve him more this year. So if that's true, and he's involved in the passing game, he's involved in the run game even more than he was last year, then I think that takes away from, from Zeke. And, and so I, I love Pollard much later than, than even getting uh, Zeke. But, but as far as Javante Williams goes, to me, every year we'll see the rookie running backs Okay, okay, good. He's he's solid. And Williams had a very nice year with, with Melvin Gordon. And then we see at the end of the year them take the next step. And then we project, okay, well, is he going to take one more step? I think he will, especially with with Russell Wilson being there. We've already seen enough. If he, if he does what he did last year, it was a nice year. And so you take a little bit of a risk drafting him in, you know, second round, I guess. Um, but but I, so I'm I'm in on on Williams. I'm willing to to, to pay the price. And, uh, and I like that they brought Melvin Gordon back. They, they know the roles. Gordon understands, hey, it's Williams' time. I had my time, but I'm still in the league. I'm still running well. I can't believe how healthy Gordon was last year. So that's good. It, it gives Williams a, a spell where they're not putting the whole offense on him. He's not a rookie running back where, hey, it's all on you. You got to carry us. But he's still going to get a heavy workload. And, and Russell Wilson, uh, he'll probably find him out of the backfield as well. So uh, at 18, you're getting him in the second round. I, I like that. Next one. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, how many more of these do we want to do? We'll do a couple more of these. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers with Tyreek Hill gone, it is wide open. So who are we betting on being, one, the best value, but also who's going to be the guy that gets targeted by Patrick Mahomes? Or is it a true spread it around situation? You no longer have to worry about Tyreek Hill. You just find the open guy, which Mahomes knows how to do. Uh, and so, from a fantasy standpoint, though, do we take Juju Smith-Schuster at 87, rookie Sky Moore at 136, which seems way late to me, or McCole Hardman at 165, which is way late? Um, which of these three guys jumps out to you? So I'm going to go with the rookie Sky Moore, and that's because I already know what Juju Smith-Schuster is. He is not a number one X-wide receiver. He's always been a number two, and when he was forced into that number one role, never really succeeded when he was in Pittsburgh. And I already know what McCole Hardman is as well. He's a deep threat. He's kind of a gadget guy. He's not going to go win one-on-one and get open. Sky Moore, we really have no idea what he is. You know, he played at a small school in college and had a great combine, great measurables. So he could be really, really good and could become that elite number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes. Or he could also be really bad and not a great player like so many wide receivers that we, you know, build up and then they end up busting. But I'm willing to take the risk with Sky Moore because I think his ceiling is so much higher than Juju or McCole Hardman. So if I can get him that late at 136, that's the guy that I'm going to take. So I'm intrigued with Juju uh, coming over from Pittsburgh because last year, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw. So I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure we've seen Juju uh, with a, you know, we haven't seen him with a great quarterback. I guess the, you know, a couple years before when, when Roethlisberger was still decent toward the end of it, <laughs> toward the end, he was winding down. Um, but I think there's enough talent there. He is the, the, the veteran and, and I'm even okay with, what he did two years ago, taking that kind of production. Um, yeah, he's probably not a true number one with the Chiefs, but but if he's the de facto one in that offense, 
Uh, well, Kelsey's the, the, of course, the number one target there. Uh, at eighty-seven, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay taking taking a flyer with with Juju because I, I think his floor is solid. Um, maybe not as much potential as a Sky Moore, uh, which I think is fair. So, but at the, taking Sky Moore a little bit late, you're throwing some darts at that point. Whereas I'm building my bench at at pick eighty-seven, and and Juju, yeah, I feel good as a spot starter on bye weeks, that kind of thing. All right, let's uh, let's end with this one. These are two uh, kind of boomer bust guys, and and this is Mike Williams, L.A. Chargers. You can take him at fifty four, or you can pass and take Gabriel Davis at seventy nine overall. And and so one of our interns here, CJ, is a big uh, Bills fan, so he's over here nodding his head uh, for one of these guys. But uh, but but Harrison, why don't you you jump in and, and I, I think I know which way you're leaning. So Mike Williams was my guy last year. I loved Mike Williams. I had him in literally every single fantasy league that I was a part of. Wow! And he really paid off because he finished as a top wide receiver last year. And yes, he was boom or bust. But having that type of performance in your flex, where he can get you 35 points one week and pretty much win you a week, was absolutely awesome. And I think he's honestly going to be even better this year than he was last year. I think this is the year where we're going to see him overtake Keenan Allen and actually be the number one target, kind of like he was, you know, towards the end of the year last year when they were making their playoff push in LA. He fits the type of style that Justin Herbert is a little bit more this, you know, deep thrower, gunslinger, big arm. And I think he can have another really outstanding season Gabe Davis could also do the same thing, but I just haven't seen it yet. So I'm willing to pay a premium of a couple rounds to get Mike Williams, who I've already seen perform at a super high level. So I think everybody realizes the Bills offense is strong, reliable. The expectations are are high. You know, Diggs is going to get a, a lot of the attention and they're going to have to move the ball around. And, and, and Josh Allen's going to have to find another wide receiver and, Davis showed he could be that guy at times. And, and so I, I like the, the chances of, of him, man, especially getting him at, at pick 79. You'd have to take him before Juju, uh, which is interesting. Um, but I'm okay with that. I, I like that pick. And, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, like those guys didn't really step into that, that role significantly enough. Uh, and I think Davis has, has a chance to be a more significant wide receiver two in that offense. And yeah, you know, we saw the four touchdown game uh, in the AFC divisional playoffs. Um, so that, that showed us the, the ceiling. So I like that possibility. You just, I mean, it was unbelievable. You just kept, kept feeding them one more time. End zone again. Wait, are his feet down? Yep. Count it, count it. Another touchdown. So I, I like the, the possibilities there. So uh, I'll be targeting him in, in a lot of drafts across the board. I'm not necessarily a big bills guy. Um, but I like Knox. You convinced me of Knox last year. You were on, on that bandwagon before I was. Um, and I like where he hasn't, he hasn't gotten a ton of hype yet in, in the fantasy offseason. He might pick up some more hype, but I'll keep an eye on him as, as well as Gabriel Davis. And as far as Mike Williams goes, you know how I feel about him. He's, <laughs> he's too injury prone. He's too boomer bust. I'm out on Mike Williams as much as I love the Chargers. So uh, there you go. There's some uh, draft or pass. Uh, we kind of mixed it up a little bit. We'll be doing both of us. will be doing some drafting and passing uh, on some of these guys. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on how these guys end up on, on each of our teams. Uh, once we officially, I haven't drafted yet. I've been doing a ton of mock drafts. 
uh, which are fun, but uh, but no official drafts just yet. So the other thing we are doing this year, uh, this time of year, we're keeping an eye on ADPs, but also rankings and you know where fantasy experts are are ranking players, and all of us have to to decide you know what analysts we trust, and you know we we call ourselves Harris and I we're more fantasy coaches. So we're taking a look at the the fantasy landscape, looking at different analysts, and and hopefully you know coaching ourselves, coaching each other, coaching you uh, to to make good good decisions on some of these players. But there are some interesting guys out there that I think are hard to rank. Uh, now Harrison does his own rankings, um, so we can get his thoughts on that as well. But but let's start with running backs, and we're still waiting to hear. At the moment, we're recording this podcast. Alvin Kamara has not been suspended, but we're assuming he's going to be suspended six games. And, and so at the moment, he's ranked as running back 11, which we know he's always been one, two, three, four, something like that. So for him to fall a little bit, but it's my opinion that he's still way too high. Like I, at this point, this, this speaks to my draft philosophies. If guys are suspended, they're off my team. I'm not drafting them. I don't want to wait around on guys. Now, I may have to wait for a guy like you know Cam Akers coming back from injury. He can still produce something, and then I think he can get to a next level. But if a guy's not even available, then he has to come back. Then I have to hope that he stays healthy just to, to salvage the rest of the season. So if, if you're taking Alvin Kamara at Kamara, Kamara, I still, it's, it, I've played fantasy for how many years? I still don't know his name. Um, but, uh, but I'm not taking him at 11. No, thank you. Um, so what rankings jump out to you? You can jump in on, on Kamara or talk about somebody like Josh Jacobs running back 22, Rashad Penny running back 35. What jumps out to you? So I completely agree with the take with Kamara because he is such a touchdown dependent player and I don't see New Orleans scoring a ton of touchdowns this year. You know, losing Sean Payton as the offensive mastermind that he is, Jameis Winston as quarterback, I just don't see him getting enough end zone volume to sustain you know a a top 10 finish and even make up for the first six games of the year that he might miss you mentioned him Josh Jacobs to me RB 22 right now I feel like is really undervalued you know we we've talked a lot about like how New England in the past has used a lot of committee backfields that's because they just don't have the guy Josh Jacobs is the guy and McDaniel's coming in, I think he is going to do wonders for the Las Vegas offense. You know, we talked about how good we think Derek Carr is going to be, and Josh Jacobs is going to be a beneficiary of that as well. He's probably going to get somewhere near double-digit touchdowns. He's going to get some targets out of the backfield. I just don't see where he finishes at RB22 or lower than that. I think his ceiling is only higher than that, and that's almost your floor that you're drafting him as. So I think he will start to move up as we get towards the season. Yeah, to me, he's he's probably I don't think he'll rise or fall. I think he'll probably be right in that in that range. Um, people always try to talk themselves into Kenyon Drake, which I, I still never do. <laughs> but other than him, I'm trying to think anybody else that the, the Raiders are going to even try to try to push Jacobs. Jacobs is the guy. So he's he, he's who they'll, they'll rely on. And uh, he had a I mean, he had a decent year last year so. Uh, I think everybody rises on the Raiders this season for, for sure. All right, Rashad Penny is a fascinating player to me. So 
I totally wrote him off. We kept waiting year after year. This is the year for Penny. This is the game for Penny. And then all of a sudden, at the end of last year, he actually popped. He actually did well. And I was so wrong because I wrote him off. And I was, I'm not picking him up in any teams. No way. Sure enough, I think he won some people leagues last year. So now he comes into this season. And they, they drafted uh, Ken, don't call him Kenneth Walker. Uh, so is he going to be now, he's now the Rashad Penny. Is he the rookie that's going to do it? Because uh, they drafted Penny and they kept waiting for him. Um, but Penny at 35, so he's ranked 35. He's not going until pick 69. I, to me, it's like the way he finished last year, is he not the guy? I mean, Seattle doesn't have much. It's going to be a tough season. And, and so it's not that he may not get a lot of touchdowns, but I, I mean, to me, it's like, I think he's gotta be a little better than that. I kind of like the value there. So I could see him rising. If Kenneth Walker doesn't get a Ken, Ken, Kenny, I'm gonna call him Kenny Walker. Um, the old, uh, that was an NBA player. Um, but, but he, if, if he doesn't get a lot of buzz in training camp, then I think it'll go back to Penny. So where, what about you, your thoughts on him? Yeah, I really just don't want to touch the Seattle backfield because we That's forget fair. that Chris Chris Carson is there as well. So there's really eh, three he's guys. Up. He's banged up. So yeah, I could see Rashad Penny starting out the year, you know, kind of on a hot streak, and then they slowly work Ken Walker into the backfield. But I just don't have any faith in a Drew Locke led offense for now. Now, if they end up trading for Baker Mayfield, like it's been rumored for, then I maybe could get a little bit interested. But I just don't see, again, the touchdowns like we talked about Kamara. I don't see it happening for Penny where he could return top value on that pick. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, yeah, Chris Carson, it just doesn't seem – I think the neck thing is major. So uh, unless they get a – he gets a clean bill of health, that's, uh, that's going to be yeah, – the Seattle's an interesting team. They really are. So let's talk about DK Metcalf as well because, you know, Russell Wilson's gone. So he's wide receiver 14, ADP 39. So does he rise or fall as as people start drafting, as as fantasy experts start, you know, adjusting their fantasy rankings? My guess, he falls. I, I think people will finally realize, wait, is it Geno Smith? Oh, they're not going to trade for Baker Mayfield? Like, what are they doing out there? I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if Pete Carroll, he gets into training camp and goes, I'm out. Uh, I'm not going to do this. I mean, he's, he's an older guy. I mean, we forget he's 70 years old. Um at some point, he's got to say, wait, wait, Russell. Oh, wait, no, we actually traded Russell. That, that trade went through? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not coaching this year. So uh, that, to me, is just a circus out there. And as much as I love DK Metcalf and wanted to love him last year, I drafted him last year, a little, you know, not as great as I would have hoped. Um, but, uh, but anyway, you can talk about DK Metcalf. Also, um, I think uh, some other interesting wide receivers, you know, what to do with Mike Evans uh, and the, the Bucks situation. They've got Mike Evans ranked number eight. To me, that seems costly. Um, the Titans, we don't know what they're going to do without A.J. Brown. They bring in Robert Woods coming off a big injury. He's wide receiver 43. They draft Traylon Burks, uh, who they think is going to replace A.J. Brown. But so far, the the smoke screens about him hasn't been great. Um, so you can jump in here. Yeah, so Mike Evans, I actually think he's going to finish higher than eight. And I think he will rise in drafts because no one's talking about Chris Godwin's injury right now. Chris sure. Godwin, from what we've heard from the team, is that they're expecting him to be back in like November or even December. If he's missing the first eight weeks of the season, Mike Evans is going to get 
tons of work in the passing game from Tom Brady. Uh, and then another player kind of in that later, you know, 40-ish range, I think a lot of people are overlooking right now but will rise, is Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is right now going as the wide receiver 47, and he was finished as the wide receiver 44 last year, and that was with Devontae Adams on the team. So I don't know how he could possibly finish worse after losing Devontae Adams and him being the most trusted wide receiver on the team. We know Aaron Rodgers doesn't really trust rookies. Christian Watson, we don't know how he's going to pan out. They bring in Sammy Watkins, who's never really done anything in his career, but everyone hopes he's going to have you know, a good this season. This is he has, the year. He has, he has one year. big game at the beginning of the year and then just catches three balls for the entire rest of the season. I don't see how Alan Lazard finishes as the wide receiver 47 this season. He totally. may not be a top 20 guy, but he's got to at least be in the 30s and get some volume within this offense. That's just crazy to me that he's that low right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll at least be a wide receiver three for us because I'm going to draft him. I, I want Lazard. Uh, I've always liked his game. And last year, I think it was the injuries that kind of got off to a slow start. Um, but then he still, you know, he, sh- he shows glimpses at times. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I want to believe that Sammy Watkins, this is going to finally be his chance. But I mean, how many chances has he had? I, I just, I mean, from the Bills to the Rams to the Chiefs, it's just been pretty mediocre. Um, he was a Clemson guy and was a top pick. But yeah, he's, he's under chief. So now he gets to play with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that'll be different. But, but I, I like Lazard, at, especially at that value. Oh, my goodness. ADP 142. That's so late. That's such a nice addition to your bench. Um, we'll do last one. Um, Hunter Henry, who has been one of my favorite tight ends back to his Chargers days. Tight end 15, ADP 130. If I can get him as my tight end too, I'm loving life because there's going to be some weeks where he's getting into the end zone. Last last year, he had a great streak of touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Mac Jones was finding him. Mac Jones, I believe, takes a step further this year. That means everybody's going to be better. I think they're going to throw more this year. Uh, I just think the offense will overall be better. We'll talk about their running backs another episode. Uh, but I'm, I'm in on this offense and especially Hunter Henry. Um, so I, I love that, love that value. And he'll probably rise. I think he's going to rise throughout the offseason uh, as well. People will start to realize, wait, he scored how many touchdowns last year? Yeah, this guy's really good. I don't know. I mean, Hunter Henry honestly scares me because touchdowns are such a weird stat where it's hard to reproduce. And I honestly do not think the New England offense is going to be that great this year. But like The reports that we've heard is that Matt Patricia might take over the play-calling duties that is scary. for New England. That's scary. That really scares me, and I don't think they have enough weapons you said the passing game is going to improve. I could see them running the ball 50 times a game and not going anywhere just because, you know, they aren't creative enough on offense to work in an electric passing game with Mac Jones. So he may have a couple of weeks where he catches a lot of touchdowns, but I don't see him putting up double to the touchdowns or anywhere, you know, near the return needs to have to succeed in a low volume passing offense. Yeah, I mean, no, it's fair, but I just think Mac Jones, I think we saw enough last year to say, okay, this guy's got the, he's got talent and they sort of held him back last year. And I think they're going to unleash him a, a little bit more. So, you know, last year, Hunter Henry finished as tight end 11. So I think he's going to be equally, he had nine touchdowns last year, nine touchdowns. So the lowest he's ever finished is 18th in his career. He battled a lot of injuries, but last year he was healthy for the most part. 
So yeah, he played uh, 17 games. So that was a, a big that that was a big step in the right direction because previously uh, he he missed a, f- a few games every single season. So if he stays healthy. I, I don't see Jonu Smith taking enough. I know last year they they signed both of those guys. We were wondering which one was going to be the the key contributor. Uh, it was Hunter Henry. And so I think that'll be the case again. So we'll end it on that note, uh, but we will be back next week and we will continue to bring uh, a weekly episode to you. Uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, you can email us uh, fantasy at unpackingit.com, fantasy at unpackingit.com. Fantasy Football Fellowship is a part of Unpacking It Ministries. Uh, but we also encourage you to check out fantasyfootballfellowship.com and uh, you can uh, become a member. And, and check out all the member-exclusive content uh, on our website, fantasyfootballfellowship.com, and we appreciate the support there. Well, Harrison, great job, great show. Thanks to our interns behind the scenes, uh, CJ and Landon. They did a great job. Thanks to our producer, Chris. Uh, it's a team effort here at Fantasy Football Fellowship. Thanks to MetaShare. They're our presenting sponsor. Check out MetaShare dot com slash unpacking it i'm bryce i'm a sports fan who follows jesus i'm a fantasy gm who follows jesus i believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin he was resurrected and through faith i've been saved by his grace i hope that is true for you as well and i hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans and fantasy football gms together let's uh let's continue to have some fun throughout the off season and then throughout the the regular season As we talk fantasy, talk Jesus, talk life, and encourage one another. So thanks for being a part of the community. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare.